Well, hi there. Welcome to episode 216 of Rook. Rest in peace, dear Kion Pierfalak. We must win this battle for you. I'm Gian Gomeshi, Rodi from Toronto. Salam Dustanazis, Durut Bashama. Kianjun, you are now another fallen angel of ours, and we know what we have to do. We must win this battle for you. Kion was 10 years old when his life was stolen away yesterday. And the world should not rest until this Islamic regime is made to pay. This is not just a protest, it's a revolution. We started saying that almost two months ago. But on the way to revolution in Iran, let's make no mistake. This is also a humanitarian crisis. The Islamic Republic regime has proven that its thirst for clinging on to power will know no boundaries. It doesn't matter how many mothers have to cry. It doesn't matter how many citizens have to die. There is no pretense anymore. No imagined two sides or self-defense to justify war. This is a flailing, morally bankrupt theocracy on its last legs. Rest in peace, dear Kian Pifalak. We must win this battle for you. Many of us know this heartbreaking story by now. Little Kiam was in a car on his way home with his parents and his brother. It was in Izeh, in the Khuzestan province, where my own lineage can be found. He was in third grade, he was 10 years of age. Maybe you've seen the videos of this diminutive inventor, this budding sage, his face full of wonder, his future aglow, his memorable words in the name of God of the rainbow. Kion Pierfalak's day probably started like that of most kids yesterday, full of energy, ideas, potential, traveling with his family with seemingly little at stake. He would not have known this would be the last trip he would take. And it was live ammunition from Islamic regime forces that would steal his life, another crime against humanity in a theocracy fermenting strife, sending thugs out to shoot at Iranian citizens on subway platforms or street corners or even traveling innocently in their automobiles, turning an entire nation into a war zone to do anything to maintain their crumbling grip on power, their illegitimate dictatorship, their patriarchal dystopia, a world where the life of a 10-year-old kid is worth less than an octogenarian mullah? It's so sad you could barely make it up in a fictional horror story. Rest in peace, dear Kion Pierfalak. We must win this battle for you. And this must be a message to the world. Can we ever stop playing politics and seeking what is materially beneficial? Is there any human rights organization whose pledges are more than artificial? And this must be a message to all those still staying silent, still on the fence. If you're an Iranian anywhere who still has not come to sense, let's cut the bullshit and recognize what is happening. There will never be a justification for taking a young life like this. Make the promise to remember his name, remember his face, remember the Kion Pierfalak case. Make the vow to avenge this crime, a life taken before prime. Make sure we won't forget this time. Send a message to every mother and every father of every Iranian child. This will never again be tolerated. This will never again be allowed. Make the children of Iran a priority and make the memory of this little boy proud. Rest in peace, dear Kian Pierfalak. We know what we must do. Rest in peace, dear Kian Pierfalak. We won't forget your dreams too. Rest in peace, dear Kian Pierfalak. We will win this battle for you. This is Rook, episode 216, The Uprising. Voices from Inside Iran, number six. All right, 
here we are in the Rook Studio in Toronto. We're going to get to the voices from inside Iran. Part of our uh, special series we've been doing as often as we can on Thursday programs, speaking to Iranians, young Iranians who are on the front lines of demonstrating inside Iran. So we're going to go to uh, Shiraz, Tehran, Kashan, and more in the next hour or two. We'll get to that. But first, a special Rook Roundtable. Let me introduce our, uh, well, first our trusted regulars. Hi, Pega. Hello. Uh, formerly Smart Pega. Still Smart <laughs> Pega, but we don't use the funny nicknames as much right now. And hi, Shia. Hi, Aziza. Hi. And a very special guest joining our roundtable to kick things off today. Reza Rouhani is a renowned Iranian-German-American composer, producer, and pianist for film and television. He came to global attention for his fusion works of jazz sounds with Iranian, European, and Middle Eastern influences. He's a, he's a graduate of Berkeley College of Music and one of the most popular instrumentalists in Iranian music these days. He's also been very outspoken about the regime in Iran and has been supporting the protest movement around the world. In fact, he was on one of our earlier episodes of The Uprising a few weeks ago. Reza Rohani joins us in the Rook studio. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Nice Pleasure to, to be in here. person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really Finally. good to see you. Yeah. Uh, you. You know, let me start off with the the round table by saying it's been quite a couple of days. Uh, obviously, I was talking about little Keon in the essay there, but uh, um, observing what's been happening in Iran um, on days that we knew were expected to be big strikes and and protests to mark the anniversary of Aban, and then the concomitant crackdown by the regime. Uh, you, you know it's going to happen and you know that the crackdown is going to be brutal and we know this is all part of the mechanics and the process of how this revolution is going to take place and yet it's still um, horrifying to watch uh, and at times inspiring uh, to watch at the same time to see uh, the strength of the, the young Iranians who are out there continuing to put themselves on the line. Um let me ask you, just in terms of observing, probably doom scrolling like we all are through your your iPhone. How are you feeling today, Reza? Well, um, you know what? So uh, I think we are in in a phase where uh, where the movement, the revolution, uh, is is asked to make some sacrifices, pay the price for freedom, and uh, it it is not cheap. And they pay for it with their lives, and um, it is heartbreaking to watch. Uh, however hopeful you might be, that this may lead to to some positive change, and to freedom. Uh, it is still heartbreaking to to watch um, people, you know, risk their lives and lose their lives. Unfortunately, you know, we, it's none of it is a surprise <coughs> in the sense that. Week one after Massa Amini was killed and the protests were beginning, I remember us saying, you know, there was a lot of excitement. People mm -hmm. had, you know, look at the protest movement in Iran and, and Pagan. I, I remember you and I saying right in this space, right in this moment, saying this is going to get a lot worse. This yeah. is going to get bloody. There's going to be, uh, as as you just said, Reza, uh, I think appropriately sacrifices uh, and um, and. God knows that the, 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 all these beautiful people who are whose lives are being sacrificed for for the sake of the revolution, some un unwittingly in a car with their family, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. um, not even necessarily on the front lines protesting. But you don't know how 
uh, exactly the the crackdown and and the the bloody attempts at at stopping things by the regime are going to play out. You you know you know what's going to happen, but you don't know so. So to actually watch some of this video footage, and by the way, the, the, the brave people who are holding up an iPhone during these these events, uh, the video footage from the subway uh, yesterday that mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, anyone who's Iranian who's listening to this probably knows exactly what I'm talking about. This is the, the strange, the oddity of this moment where we can talk about things that we can assume the entire audience knows what we're talking about. But in case you haven't seen it, it, there's video footage of mm-hmm. there's um there was video footage of a subway shooting nightmare is what I can call it um, like you said someone quite brave was videotaping I guess just you know they were going somewhere or they were taking the train and um, security forces opened fire on people at a station and so you could see in this video the absolute chaos of you know obviously people running for their lives literally um, and it seems that there's been reports since that um, security forces were actually targeting women who weren't wearing their mandatory mm-hmm. hijab. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as soon as I saw that video, it reminded me of an article that I had actually read in The Guardian not too long ago. Um, and it was cited in this article that at the beginning of September, um, one of the, I guess, there's a, a headquarter for promoting virtue and preventing vice is what this department hmm. is called don't know what that means mm-hmm. um, but an, an individual by the name of Mohammad Saleh Hashemi Gulpayegani quite a name there uh, he actually announced that the government was going to start using face recognition technology to target women on transportation services so like the metro and so now we've seen the use of that turn into this there was more than just one video there was mm-hmm. another video from inside uh, one of the subway cars. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's about mm. two minutes long. Uh, it's it's really terrifying. It's like watching a horror movie. And yeah. and f- if you, if you have any kind of claustrophobic tendencies, which I do, I, I just imagine myself being in that situation. There's screaming. There's women and men mm-hmm. being um, shot at and 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 uh, attacked. Um, and a- again, it's one of these things where, um, as I was just saying in the opening essay uh, or suggesting. there's no pretense anymore they're not even it's not even sort of well we were attacked so we had to shoot back or or um you know this is there's no excuse it's just i mean can you imagine uh we're going to go into a a confined space where there's a bunch of people most of them young people Mm -hmm. seemingly and just start shooting it's like a it's like the worst possible i mean it's almost so horrific that it would be cheap to write this into a movie you'd kind of go well that's not realistic i mean how that's the bad guys can't be that bad Mm -hmm. right it's just the disregard for human life that continues to blow my mind i mean when we see videos like this and, and you know it's almost like we we know the level of brutality and yet every single time a video comes out of iran it's almost like they've pushed the envelope that much more and like you're saying it's it's so horrific that you wouldn't even think of it in a horror movie let alone in reality how do you respond when you see that, Reza? Honestly, I uh, I don't have the heart to watch it. Mm. So I, I I know what you're talking about, and I've seen a couple of seconds, but um, I simply you mean you see it and you just stop watching. I, yeah, yeah, I cannot bear that cruelty. Um, that is not what I was made for. Um, I'm aware of it um, and saddened about it but uh, I, I cannot watch it. Also, that uh, organization that you were talking mm-hmm. about is 
امر به معروف نهی از منکر prevent wise i mean um, I, i don't know if it if it if there's if it's just a waste of time to even do this as a thought experiment but i but i i, I sometimes think about who who are these guys mm-hmm. who Uh, and I'm assuredly they're mostly guys. I mean, I know there's some of the women are gashed air shots who pick up the women, but yep. these these people with the guns yesterday, we got, who, who are these guys who think that they're doing some kind of service? I mean, what is the, what's the, you know, you I can sort of imagine convincing myself okay i'm going to war if i'm if there's a war and the bad guys are over there and here here i am with my teammates and we're you know rushing forward i, I don't I, I, what what goes through someone's mind to say i'm going to go into a subway uh with a gun and start sh- shooting people like what how much are you getting paid like what is your mm-hmm. like what, you, you know do you having grown up in iran have more insight into how this would be possible yes not only growing up but i kind of in my high school years i kind of lived among these kind of people and they're brainwashed they're easily they their their brain are washed and they believe that they are like pr- protecting uh, country protecting islam by killing like some uh, they shoot at shooting at a woman because she's not wearing a headscarf they believe they're doing the right thing yes yes and 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 they are not uh, open minded to accept that like you know it's it's they they their belief is the is making all these problems i think unfortunately this is um, not very unique to our country In that region, we, we saw what happened to Malala, for example, in right, Pakistan, right. how people were, you know, snipers were on rooftops shooting students uh, that wanted to go to school in Afghanistan and uh, in Africa. So unfortunately, you know, the, the most dangerous people on earth are zealots that, uh, you know, think um, they are basically doing the the yeah. bidding of god yeah. and so the their conscience is yeah. just that's a very good point yeah. that it's it isn't necessarily just unique to iran although it doesn't help me understand it any better mm-hmm. yeah I, st- i still can't get my head around it <laughs> yeah. you know it's uh it's it's madness but and 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 by the way it's not it's not unique to islam either I and mean, yeah. things like yeah. this have been done in yeah. uh, in the name of other religions as well and and uh but um boy uh, I, i i guess the flip side of the last two or three days in terms of the the dire horror of what we're talking about is is that the movement is not going away mm-hmm. uh and that uh no matter how many dictates and attempts to crack down including going to the majlis and saying we're going to recommend to the judiciary that there should be executions for people who protest All of that has not stopped people, uh, and we've been talking about Tehran, but um, in in places like Kurdistan, it's 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 way it's yes. it's it's way more aggressive in terms of put, lighting things on fire and 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 getting out in the streets. And um, I, I I mean this 
we sort of say this on a weekly basis, but I but uh, I still have conversations with people who go, oh, I don't know if this is. Uh, this really a revolution? Is it really gonna? I think uh, maybe you know, and and this is evidence to me that you know the people will not listen to to whatever hyperbolic fear tactic this regime wants to engage in. It's not working anymore. No, I mean it. We we passed the level that mm-hmm. there is no coming back there is no obeying this system anymore and so we have to um, and also still we know that some bloody days uh, are ahead of us so we have to be and I ready. mean <clears throat> we've talked about it before but we've you know we've said there's different things that need to happen if you're looking at it from uh, the lens of let's say a political science perspective right is that when you're when you're looking at a revolution certain defections need mm-hmm. to happen certain industries need to support what's going on and that's what we're seeing with yeah, the strikes the chips you are know, falling yeah, exactly yeah. the last couple of days what we've seen with the various strikes that have taken place over the last two three days now i mean how can you deny that this is a revolution at this point i guess part of um part of what is heartening about uh um what's what what is occurring occurring as the the brave folks who are in Iran continue to 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 grow this movement uh the revolution uh is that we are finally seeing increasing global attention mm-hmm. i wouldn't say it's at the place where we'd want it to be and uh and i think correctly a lot of people are once again looking at unicef today after a 10 year old boy is you know uh m- murdered but um but for example, this week we saw former American President Bill Clinton mm-hmm. come out and and um, uh, whatever you think of Bill Clinton, his statement was was very clear and strong and uh, directed at global awareness for what's happening in Iran. And um, I feel like we're seeing a lot more of that. If if the first month was characterized by where the hell is the West, mm-hmm. or maybe the first two months, but uh, we're getting to a point where it's becoming. Um, more expected mm-hmm. for prominent people in the West to know that something is going on in Iran. It obviously the double standards and the hypocrisy still exists around. You know, you, you every single time you go, well, if there was somebody shooting at a subway in Tokyo or in Paris, do you think we'd be that the, the headlines would? I mean, it's not in the headlines today. You know, it's not like the West is really covering this in a in a in, a, in an enthusiastic way, but. Uh, global awareness is increasing. Do you feel that, Peggy? It's definitely increasing. And um, I was just going to mention something about the video message that former President Bill Clinton put out. Um, He said something kind of towards the end of his message where he said, we will stand with you for as long as it takes to achieve your freedom. And I thought that was a really important part of what he said because, you know, historically we've seen the West try and play um, savior more than anything else. And the way that he put out this message to me was, you know, not only is the West, quote unquote, starting to come to the realization of the importance of what is going on. But I feel like they're also becoming more and more educated about what's actually taking place and what it is that the Iranians want. Because formerly you would see, you know, talks of foreign intervention and things like that. And now when you have a former president say something like this, I think it really drives the message home. You want to believe that. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you feel like that's happening, Reza? Well, I honestly, I feel like uh, everything is um, 
you know going at a natural pace and and I welcome that so first of all I I have never seen the West as a as a savior mm. personally so <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to say that um, at the end of a day um, you know, gaining freedom and protecting it is every society's own responsibility. Mm. And this is the only way uh, you can guarantee it over a longer period of time. Again, look at Afghanistan. Uh, as soon as, as the American protection was yes. gone, the Taliban were back. Yes. So it, it is uh, our own responsibility to learn this process, to, to learn to respect uh, um, other people's interpretation of, of, of their own freedom. Mm. And uh, without the cultural shift uh, in Iran, it, it will n not happen. But they, surely there are two different things. Um, imperialism or, you know, let's go in and intervene, etc., is different from, I mean, what, there's that meme that's going around or that a few people have cited uh, um, that is, uh, we, d we don't want you to save us, we, want, we just want you to stop saving mm -hmm. the murderers, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. uh, stop enabling them. And, and surely the, for example, the international isolation mm -hmm. and condemnation of Russia mm -hmm. uh, earlier this year when it came to Ukraine has had an effect, would you not say? Well, yeah. Yes, for, for Russia, that was actually connected to world economy. But, you know, the West has long forgotten the Iranian people, unfortunately. What they were concerned with was the Iranian nuclear program. And that's why they have already, like, all the sanctions possible at place already. And um, so, uh, you know, to, to just basically... And, and, and Calling how back ambassadors, <coughs> closing embassies. You don't think any of those things matter? Well, no, I, I don't think that they, uh, they don't have any effect on it. They, they do. But um, honestly, I, I, don't, uh, I don't deem them as important. Mm. Yeah, I, I, especially, you know. I and, mean, and not uh, buying <coughs> oil? Is that a pipe dream? Well, no, no, <laughs> that's already, puns, that's, no, no, that's already happening, mm. you know, uh, according to the, to the sanctions. That's already happening. Uh, so uh, yeah, well, officially it is. Right, officially right, right. it is, and and I do, I honestly like if they are not doing it for 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 their own strategic mm -hmm. advancements, uh, I I don't think they're gonna do it for the freedom freedom mm. fighters in Iran or whatever. I uh, I strongly believe that you know uh, like when it comes to for example in history when it comes to apartheid in in South Africa. It did help uh, because the country's economy was, yes. you know, so uh, included in in, uh, in the world economy. But there have been, I don't know, like I honestly, <laughs> uh, I, I think that, you know, the Islamic Republic has been isolated for many years for other reasons. And they have, by the way, they have always been repressing freedom in Iran. Yes. Ever since their conception, Th that's true. So, it's but, not a new but, thing. Yeah, yes. but the, but uh, the the sanctions are relatively new, uh, and they have nothing to do with the Iranian people's you know right for freedom, basic human rights. Unfortunately, and they're already in place. Uh, and you know, for for the, for now, for the West to you know assume any kind of role. Uh, beyond that is what about the West being part of. 
uh, a system of organized support for the people of Iran to be able to achieve self-determination. For example, helping to provide ways to crack the, the blockages of the internet. Yeah. I mean, isn't that significant? It is very significant. It is. It is. But it has, again, not, nothing to do if, uh, nothing to do with, um, you know, for example, a former president, you know, saying that, that we are with you. Right. This is already happening. Right. And uh, this is, by the way, something that is going to uh, be determined by, by just a few. And it's not a democratic uh, process here in the West. But d- d- doesn't part of... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not debating you. Well, I am, no. guess I, yeah. maybe yeah. I'm somewhat debating you, but I'm, I'm trying yeah. to figure out what, what I, how I feel about this. Don't, doesn't it make a difference that the West supported Ukraine in a material way? Oh, yeah. And that and that, that is part of what's allowed, enabled Ukraine to, to battle uh, back against this. And, and that... You know, literally, these kids in Iran are throwing stones. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, wouldn't it be helpful yes. if they we supported them in some material way? Absolutely. And isn't international awareness about creating the conditions where that can happen? Well, honestly, uh, I absolutely agree with the Ukraine situation that it would not have been uh, successful without without physical intervention, mm-hmm. like material material uh, help. But unfortunately, that's not what anybody is talking about right now about uh, Iranian people. So they, it's just moral support. I do hear you. Yeah. I hear yeah. you in the sense yeah. that what does it yeah. make? What difference does it make yeah. to Bill Clinton? Yeah. I, I will say this though. Yeah. Uh, we have. I'll ask them again today because mm. we're, we're we're bringing them on the show. But we have consistently asked young people who we've spoken to who are inside Iran, or forget young people, people who are in, mm. in Iran who are on the front lines of the demonstrations. Does it make a difference to you? And your sisters and brothers and, and your comrades out there, you know, that there is a massive demonstration in Berlin or in L.A. or in Toronto. And they consistently say it makes a huge difference to them in terms of morale. So so the, the Iranian diaspora being there and being vocal does does make a difference to those in Iran. I don't know if they're watching Bill Clinton and high-fiving mm-hmm. and going, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's on our side uh, any more than Angelina Jolie or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, I mean... Anything that can help at this point, mm-hmm. right? Yes, you know, my problem, I think, is, you know, the, the experience that I had uh, back in, in 2008 with the death of Michael Jackson. And 2009. Uh, yeah, 2000, okay. Green movie, Hashtag right? Hash, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 2009. Uh, I think the problem that I have is with that attention and that going away for, for no more <laughs> yep. than, than the celebrity's yeah. death. So uh, basically what I'm trying to say is that this kind of support uh, is not to be counted on because it can just vein in, in, in a second. It can be gone with something totally unrelated. It's a perfect segue. Yeah. It's a yeah. perfect segue because I wanted to talk about the World Cup. And on, on Monday, I actually name-checked that Michael Jackson's death in the, the Green Movement was, uh, you're absolutely right, took, took Iran off the, the, the headlines because everybody focused on Michael Jackson for the next two weeks. Uh, and in the similar way, I fear that that might be what happens as soon as the World Cup begins, uh, in as much as Iran has been in the headlines. I mean, it's there's a lot of things competing for attention right now. But um, this leads to a conversation about the World Cup. And <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to talk about in terms of everything from Team Meli and the ongoing sort of confusion for, uh, about how Iranians should 
be reacting to this because of course some mm-hmm. people are saying don't even watch others are saying let's try and make a political point with this and others are saying hey i'm gonna watch i love the team and i want to you know i love football uh so and somewhere between that uh, one hopes that the community figures out uh, where it stands but just before we get to team Melly, i should say qatar in general and this world cup um you know uh uh, I'm an Arsenal fan and I listen to an Arsenal podcast uh, and, you know, I, I listen to an Irish guy and an English guy. These are not Iranians debating for half an hour about whether they should watch the World Cup, mm-hmm. not even go to the World Cup, watch the World Cup. You know, the Qatar's human rights issues, uh, issues around freedom of, ex- of expression, uh, everything from the, uh, the, the, the anti-LGBTQ uh, uh, policies to, uh, I mean, there's some absurdities, you know, no dating, <laughs> drinking, whatever. I, it, this is a, a Middle Eastern country, but now, um, and germane to Iranians as well, is the crackdown on journalism and mm-hmm. on reporters. So we saw a couple of days ago a Danish reporter in the middle of his report uh, being told, you sh- you can't film yeah. here. And he said, I'm rec- I've come oh, wow. to your country <laughs> to cover the World Cup. So it's not unique to Iranians, but... But there is an Iranian network named Iran International, which of course has been broadcasting a lot of the, uh, you know, anti-regime uh, um, protests and and bringing on a lot of people. And they had a number of journalists or reporters from Iran International accredited for the World Cup, mm-hmm. and those accreditations have been revoked mm-hmm. by Qatar now, yeah. which says to me, not only can you not protest. Uh, in Qatar, not only do we not want to, you know, along with FIFA, we've said we don't want anybody making this a political event, whatever the hell that means. I mean, uh, you know, World Cup always has those elements to it. But now it's we're not even going to bring allow reporters to come in mm-hmm. and talk about this. Uh, and dare, you know, God forbid, they talk about what might be happening in Iran. Yeah. Do you do you want to give the, the the facts on that? Did I get yeah, it pretty much right? Yeah, you got it pretty much right. A couple things I want to add. So, um, Iran International was was um, named a terrorist organization by the Iranian government, mm. and that coincides with when they had their um, passes revoked by the Qatari officials. So, you know what? There's obviously some some connection there, right, clearly. Right. Um, and in terms of the Danish reporter that you were talking about, it's funny because on that video, you actually see him show his press pass. And he's showing this individual like, look, this is what I have. You've allowed me to do this. And the response is, do you want me to break your camera? I mean, that's what he was faced with. So, I mean, it, it's just it's unbelievable to see that suppression and to still want to maintain some level of normalcy with this World Cup. There's also... Um the, the you know I, I would want to flag that that there is some uh, hypocrisy around really picking on Qatar in the sense that the World Cup has been held in places like the last World Cup was in Russia right. that isn't you know doesn't have the best uh, record when it comes to freedom of expression etc or imprisoning dissidents etc as well uh, and some of the teams that are engaged in the World Cup are mm-hmm. come from places where there's you know laws banning you know uh, homosexuality etc so so we kind of have to navigate through this in terms of uh, uh, how much this is an exception to what we've seen in the past and and the Olympics being held in China and and what have you but it's certainly a question mark around um, 
in general, how we feel about these large events being held in in, in, in a place that is spending billions of dollars to promote itself like Qatar. And then, of course, secondly, what, how do we feel with a revolution going on and with the Iranian team uh, playing? And, and we'll... We'll make that a separate conversation from whether I watch Team Canada or England yeah. play, et cetera. So um, protesters in Tehran a, f- a couple of hours ago burned the banner of the Iranian national football team uh, that's above one of the roadways or mm-hmm. highways there. Um, where are we at on this, Shia, for you? Where are you at with uh, Team Meli? What do you do sorry, starting next week? Uh, still, still, I mean, in four days, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> still confusion still confusion at, in, in one hand um i mean first of all it's very interesting for me that in arsenal podcast they were talking that maybe they are they are also boycotting the world Cup. absolutely not because of iran no, necessarily no, but know, because, because oh Qatar. absolutely wow. no that's a general conversation i mean yeah. this has been years that people have been there's been a lot of journalistic work done on you know the why why was qatar why did fifa even give mm-hmm. this to qatar yeah. in yeah. the first place you know it's yeah. not even the world cup's being held in november and december to appease the yeah. qatari climates and i mean the whole thing is a is a is a is a, is a cash cow right it's, it's just been about, about money deals and yeah. stuff um but yeah no this is a question mark mind you as i also said on monday once the tournament begins uh, you know, yes. maybe the guys on the Arsenal podcast will start talking about the players and the the, the teams and who's winning and you know, yeah. well, that, that was a great goal and stuff. That usually is what happens in these cases. But go ahead. So Sorry. yeah, I mean, in terms of Iran, I mean Team Meli, I really don't know. Like I I imagining like let's say Iran beats United uh, England. <laughs> So I, I I would be happy <laughs> honestly, but then I think that regime can take over this win for for their own goal. Like this is how we build our country that and that uh, we support athletes that they can beat England. So it's I, I really don't know what. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know. You know you, you, you literally don't know. Are you going to watch? Uh, it depends on what time is it. What time? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a yes. Yeah. Uh, well, Mr. Reza Rouhani, what's your what's your thought? Are you are you a football uh, fan? I um, definitely am. When it comes to yeah, I am a football fan. I think by any definition. Um, so um, you know, generally, um, I think a revolution should be more inclusive. And um, if if it really wants to change something, and if it really wants to bring freedom, it has to be freedom for everybody. It cannot be freedom for you know a specific uh, pr- you know pe- uh, way of thinking or a specific preference. And uh, I think um, it is it is really harsh. Uh, how people are reacting to people reacting to just a simple meeting uh, where the names be, are being called and people standing up and the uh, meeting, with, know, Raisi. Uh, re- meeting with Raisi meeting with yes you're, you're, uh, I think you're surprised that people have an issue with that uh, I'm not surprised but I do not think that you know uh, that they should be judged uh, solely mm. on on that I think that that uh, football uh, or soccer uh, in general is very politicized in Iran and mm-hmm. is, is is a common 
uh, is a known fact. Mm. And, uh, and that, you know, people that are outspoken uh, don't even get picked. Uh, that is also a known fact. Uh, my point is that, um, so I, I did not like that meeting. Mm-hmm. I did not like what I saw. But I'm not going to judge them solely on that. I'm going to take this into account uh, together with their other actions. Mm. And also, it is, again, it is a much higher price for somebody who is well-known that speaks out. Uh, Like Ali Dai? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he said he wouldn't go to Qatar. I I am honestly, I am so in awe of Ali Dai, of Ali Karimi, especially of Ali Dai, because he's also in Iran right now. Yeah. Uh, it is something that I praise. I am very amazed by it. I, I think he he just basically, uh, definitely, in my opinion, he he is one of the biggest heroes of of this because he will be paying a big price w- w- for all his support. Um, yeah, but we ha- we should be more inclusive. Mm. Judging judging people just because you know in in that context they were there. Uh, I, I don't think that's that's the right idea. Do you do you yeah. just uh, I'll come to you in a second, Pega? Just just and I'm not mm. trying to put you on the spot. Mm. If you if you're not mm. sure, you could mm. say so. That's what Shia Darraft. I don't know. I've seen both sides. Are you gonna like what happens next Tuesday? Do you cheer? Do you wear your Iran jersey? Do you? I'm just out of curiosity. No, I mean, no, honestly, no. And I don't know if it's because of that meeting or not. Mm. It, it, it might have been different if, if they had acted differently. It might have been different. But right now, um, so I, I am not, I'm not willing to condemn them, mm. but I'm also not, not that passionate Enthusiastic about them right at this now. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, still, they still could do something. We yeah. don't know. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I know that that meeting with Raisi set off quite a bit of conversation and and judgment and and hate to be quite frank but you know i mean i think that was one of those instances where maybe they had to maybe it was the pressure maybe the it meeting was came on the heels of of them not doing anything for weeks before that right, right. it's not like that suddenly the meeting came out of nowhere too no, I mean, I the understand. meeting is there were people who were already frustrated mm-hmm. or really concerned etc we had Meritad Ahmadpour on the show last week yeah. going I, I, I you know that was before the Raisi meeting yeah so yeah I, well, what I was trying to say is, you know, and I think Shia was mentioning this in, in one of the previous episodes, is that they've been at camp for a month. There's, you know, all this pressure built up. You know, they're going into the World Cup. I'm still hopeful. I'm, I'm holding out. I really am. I'm hoping that, you know, once they get to one of their first games, they will do something. And I think at that point, maybe that's the time to quote-unquote judge. I, I agree. I think that there's an immense amount of pressure on these individuals, more so than we know. And I think it's unfair to judge them without knowing all of the details mm. and you know on the topic of Ali Dai yes I I agree I mean who could who could say anything other than to praise him and to be in complete awe and just absolute pride with what he's done but who knows what's going to happen to him I mean we, we've seen right and Nazrekavi we've seen so many other individuals who have 
been in the public eye, whether it be athletes or actors mm. or, you know, celebrities of any sort. And we've seen what's happened to them or we've seen the false or faked um, confessions afterwards yeah. and the pressures that have led them to, you know, although, do although there like is that. a school of thought, Reza, maybe you can weigh on this, uh, that there's a school of thought that says someone like Ali Dai is so iconic mm-hmm. that the re- he's almost got a bit of safety around him because the regime wouldn't dare do something to him. Whereas if you're just a, one of the players on yeah. team Meli, you don't have that same kind of safety. Is that, do you well, think that's true? Uh, I think it's, it's definitely has some truth to it. But um, is he bigger than Hashemi Rafsanjani, for example? I don't know. Uh, so uh, there, there is, I don't think there anybody is safe, safe. in Iran <laughs> other than Khamenei and yeah. his son, maybe. No, he's not bigger, yeah. but he's more popular. That's yeah, well, yeah, uh, but I, I understand I understand what you mean. I, uh, like yeah. I'm, I'm his, he's very popular with me, so <laughs> I love him. But, uh, and I hope that he will stay safe, he and his family, and nothing yeah. happens to them. God forbid. But uh, anyway, yep. so uh, I, I don't. Th- I, I think his actions are heroic because he is risking a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really uh, what a bizarre twist of history mm-hmm. that the World Cup is happening in. Like the World Cup happens for a few weeks every four years, so that's happening at the same time as the this revolution and. The World Cup happens to be in a place that is about as close as you can get to Iran, (laughs) you know, (laughs) geographically and frankly, you know, systematically or legally to a certain extent, culturally, and uh, and in a place where protest isn't allowed. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, all of this is amping this up in a way that... uh, you know, just wouldn't be the reality if it, it's it's a strange collision of events. All right, let's um, b- before we move on to our, our guests in inside Iran, um, Reza, you're so kind to come in here, and one of the reasons you're in Toronto is because you're doing a show yes. on Saturday night yes. with Sarah, right? Yes. Uh, and where where is the show, by the way? The show is in uh, Richmond Hill Center, Center for the for Arts. Yeah, the Richmond Arts, Hill. Yes. So, uh, and can people still get tickets? Yes, okay, they can. and so, they should. <laughs> and they should. All right, so, um, it's it's great to have you here because you are doing you've you've been doing concerts and you are doing a concert here, and we've been having this ongoing conversation about. Um, which concerts should happen, which ones should be canceled. Uh, you must be aware of this conversation. I'm sure you guys had the, these chats with each other about. So tell me about the the decision to go ahead and how you feel about um, these, these kind of uh, conversations these days about whether we should be having and going to concerts or not. Well, uh, to be honest with you, first of all, I'm actually happy about any kind of conversation that happens nowadays, especially if if it uh, helps um, shape the culture uh, in a more accurate way. Um, so, um, first of all, one of one of the things that I think that has to be talked about is is the just the terminology. Like people seem to have a problem with the word concert hmm. uh, because apparently that is like uh, is basically is equals partying for many people which of course is actually quite to be very frank it's actually quite insulting to the <laughs> to the world because yeah. um yeah so a concert has Va- been, wagner yeah, had concerts exactly yeah, yeah. wagner had concerts beethoven mozart 
uh, all these people at concerts. Not exactly and, uh, uh, happy <laughs> music. Not well, not necessarily mm. always. Anyway, so there's nothing wrong with happy music. There, there is a time for any kind of music, but I think uh, this is not a time for silence. That is that is my firm stance. I I refuse to be silenced uh, by anyone. Uh, uh, Islamic Republic tried it on me uh, quite successfully in Iran, <laughs> but uh, I, I found a way out of it, and uh, I've been performing here ever since. And uh, um, as you guys know, I, I have composed uh, pieces f specifically for for this. Uh, movement and for this revolution and um, yeah so to basically uh, just bring a, a musical performance down to a level that is just you know comparable to to a party is is not what I stand for I think uh, that uh, the arts the performing arts music specifically has a big responsibility uh, and in my case, it's just quite symbolic. It's just um, because of Zanz and the Giozadi, uh, and me having the honor of, of collaborating with Sarana Ini, who was whose voice was suppressed in Iran for so many years, and um, you know, like being able to to enable her to to bring her voice out and her singing voice in this yeah. case but still uh it's just so symbolic for me and um yeah so our concert is not not as happy as as it used to mm -hmm. be uh, but it's appropriate and and it's cathartic and and i uh and i'm very blessed to especially in these difficult times, uh, to be with with those people who who share my passion with music, and to you know stand next to to our brothers and sisters who are fighting for freedom. Daryush has a gig here the same mm. the same night. Uh, yeah, and he, he you know there's a, artists that I mean I I don't know the ins and I don't go trolling through the internet mm. see who's mm. saying something about Darius or not mm. but but it does seem like for some artists mm. there's an expectation you know uh, while we know that his concert is not going to be uh, yeah. dancing and singing and all, all yeah. of that in the way that would find uh, we would find offensive but for yeah. Saucy it's something else yeah. um, does does it does it hurt you when mm. somebody says why are you playing this concert do you feel um has has it been, has that been difficult for you emotionally? Well, honestly, it is basically not not because of myself, but again, because as a musician, as a proud musician, uh, musician, I'm actually just quite offended by by how they interpret the, the terminology mm. at the concert. Uh, but yeah, so uh, just for the record, so our our performance is is going to be very very. Uh, very much comparable to Dariush's. So, mm. <laughs> um, and less so to, to Saucy. By the way, I, I respect him, uh, Saucy, as, as an artist, and, and I uh, also feel for him. I, I think uh, even his performances should not have been silenced. Uh, although I, I probably, like, it's not the kind of music that I would right now listen to, uh, I, I still think that people should have a right, and it's a quite mm -hmm. symbolic gesture 
to to about freedom to to for them to be able to to pursue however taste they have mm-hmm. um yeah and i'm saddened by by actually his concert being canceled and being in in the headlines but yeah so um, we are extremely respectful of of the current situation you certainly understand yeah. that some people are not going to want to some people say I, I don't have the um desire to go out right now i don't have the desire to mm-hmm. I mean, specifically with something like the saucy you know yeah uh, you, you understand why some people don't I feel absolutely like that's that is part of the freedom i what i don't understand is why you why you would create as uh, an atmosphere of shame mm. Where other people would not dare to to pursue their their own freedom. Can I can I bring this down to a do actually Shia first? You were nodding, uh, yeah. so I, no, I should I, let I, you say something. I, I agree with all the thing that Reza uh-huh. said, and also uh, I I understand that some people say that they don't have like Jose um, in these days to go to a happy concert. But also, or a mehmuni, yeah. But uh, yeah, but also, I've seen people that, like they say, and I, I don't go to a, a Saucy concert, but they go to a non-Iranian concert. I was just <laughs> gonna yeah. say that, which is, the, you know, right, it's right. like it's like they go it, cheer the Maple Leafs <laughs> at the <laughs> hockey game. Yeah, yeah. Can I actually add to that? Because at the at the onset of um, this revolution, I actually went to a Monolink concert. It was like during the first week or so that this was happening. And uh, Monolink made a shout out to what was going on in Iran. And this was super Mm. early on and everyone Mm. was very impressed. And I can easily say 70% of the population at that concert was Iranians. (laughs) He has a very large Iranian Mm. following. And not one person said anything about, oh, this should have been canceled or- Nobody has said Roger Waters shouldn't be playing. They've cheered that Roger Waters mentioned Masami. And we understand the use of a platform when someone like Roger Waters, Monolink, or any other non-Iranian artist uses it to, sh- to shed more light on what's happening. But then within our own community, it's this immediate, oh no, it's shaming and you shouldn't. Yeah, but hang on a second, guys. I mean, are you really saying that you, don't you, don't you think that people, Iranians, have a different responsibility for what's going on in Iran than, I mean, even amongst your friends, mm-hmm. don't, are, are you, are, do you really hold your, Canadian friend who's never done anything to do with Iran and, and doesn't know you know other than knowing you has no connection right. to Iran do you really hold them to the same standard as an Iranian friend of yours in terms no. of a responsibility to be speaking out or doing something to support the people of Iran right now no but I think that's different I think that's you know those are my friends they're not individuals who have large platforms right I think anyone who has a large platform and we've talked about this we've, we've said you know why isn't so and so influencer posting about what's happening in Iran or why isn't the media covering sort of but i don't feel like i i don't feel like you know Lionel messi is amnesty international like i don't like like i'm not offended that he's not spending every moment of the day talking about iran Mm -hmm. i get it he's a football player he'll talk about something to do with you know whatever he wants and but i i would assume if there was a people's revolution in argentina Messi would would need to say something and if he didn't it'd be weird no and I and I agree with you but what I'm saying is why and I think I I, I echo what uh, what Reza was saying that um, why the shame right Mm. why not look at this as a platform and if someone is choosing to use their platform to you know change their concert or change their 
play or whatever it is that they're doing, whatever platform they have, and still reflect on what's happening, why don't we allow them to do mm-hmm. that instead of shaming them? And I get it. Yes, maybe the example of Sussy, <laughs> because, you know, that's what we're referring to, that type of music doesn't have a space right now. But even someone like Sussy, who has thousands upon thousands of fans, he has a platform. Why mm-hmm. don't we let him use that platform? Absolutely. Yeah, and also, I mean, I'm talking about people. If you are sad that you cannot come to, let's say, Dang Show concert, which mm-hmm. is not happy concert. If you are sad to you're not com- going to Dang Show concert, probably you are. You have to be sad and not going to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Coldplay concert. Please maintain your <laughs> sadness <laughs> across the board, not just for Iranian concerts. Yes. But uh, listen, I mean, I was going to say on a much more micro level. I'm, I'm sure you guys have experienced this, but I have friends in social media, mm-hmm. and again, let's let's carve out the non-Iranian friends, which have, which many of my non-Iranian friends, as I say, are not spending a lot of time on Iran. I, that can irritate me. I can reach out to them, and go, "Hey, come on, let me." But in terms of, you know, uh, some Iranian friends that I have, or uh, or I mean, friends, people on social media that uh, we follow each other or something. There, there, I, I have felt I've been in the situation recently where, I mean, there's one person in particular I can think of who, I'm not sure if she said anything about the revolution from day mm-hmm. one, but she is consistently posting pictures of just going out to restaurants in a fancy dress and things like that. And, you know, to kind of take this as a metaphor, you know, I'm faced with the question of, do I say something to her do Mm -hmm. i say excuse me like i mean come on you know or do i just kind of go you know i don't feel comfortable looking at this right now it doesn't it makes me feel like disheartened that somebody's not part of supporting or something so for now i'm just going to mute this person or not look at their for or unfollow or whatever that seems to be the 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 issue and i'm not sure what the answer is i mean i'm not sure if i'm shirking my responsibility by not calling the person up and going excuse me why are you wearing a nice dress and going out every night you know i i don't know but that is feels like a metaphor for the for for everything which is which is you know, we we're we, we know. I mean, Reza, you were saying earlier, everyone needs to be on side for this revolution to be effective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that doesn't that then lead to the to 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 you wanting everybody to to play a role somehow? Yes, yeah, and especially myself. So and and this is what I do. Mm-hmm. So you know there is I think there is a b- issue with the terminology as well. So this like bringing awareness or celebrating and supporting a movement continuously. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know like I think bringing aw- awareness might be you know the responsibility for for the first time or you know in this case for Iranians they are already all aware of even you know we were talking about at the beginning of the show about every single clip that you're talking about so it's not about awareness but uh, you know like um, should i just like uh, am i a news agency (laughs) to you know just announce that this is happening and then just shut up for the rest you know i I, what i do is art and and i do it continuously and uh, again i reflect what's happening uh, on the streets and i uh, I mean, you guys will be able to, to judge for yourselves, hopefully. But yeah, so basically, um, 
I th why why is there no doubt in anybody's mind that a Darush concert is okay? Right. At this time, because okay. he's Gamgin. Well, there you go. There you go. Okay, I, I do understand that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think he has one short song. <laughs> but yeah. so everybody's like, okay, I'll buy tickets. We'll go and cry. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, first of all, first of all, I, I do get it uh, that that uh, you know the current situation is sad, but I don't agree that this is the only emotion that we should go. No, for. but yeah. let me let me let me make it more specific because I mm -hmm. and let me say I. 100 I, I am glad that you're playing I'm I would go to the Darius concert I would go to the dang show concert because I know these are places where the revolution is being addressed mm -hmm. and that they can actually be places where people can feel cathartic and feel inspired mm -hmm. to be in a group setting uh, so and so I support that what if you go to the, what if I come to your concert and you say nothing about the revolution and you just play uh, happy Billy Joel songs? That won't uh, happen. <laughs> no, 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 of course it won't happen. But what if, I mean, that's that's the question, right? Do you, do, do you, do you still reserve the right for somebody to to do that, or do you feel like Absolutely. Iranian artists should have a responsibility to do something within their their works or their concerts or their performances or their you that, know, that that reflects the mood? Before before I before I think about other people's responsibilities, I think about my own responsibility okay. to be aware constantly of the fact that other people's freedom of choice might not be you know my taste. It would not be. It would not, in my opinion, would not be tasteful if if somebody did perform and didn't reflect on what's happening in Iran right now. If an Iranian artist did that, it would not be my taste. But it would be much more imperative in my mind that he is free to do what he chooses to do, hmm. and that his supporters should not be shamed for supporting him in what he does. Basically, I think it is, uh, it is not about inclusivity. So the shame is more about excluding people. So you're, by, by shaming them, you're not inviting them into I this see. movement. You're just like excluding them. But if, if you want to include them, you should probably find a way to have them uh, have their performance yeah. and mention the, the, and react to what's going on on, on the streets. I, uh, I strongly disagree with the shaming, that's for sure. I mean, I've said that since day one of this, mm -hmm. this revolution, how much I, I don't agree with that. But I also strongly believe that Iranians right now have a responsibility to use their platform. So although, you know, I believe in the freedom of choice and things like that, in this current circumstance, I think if you're an Iranian artist, celebrity, influencer, whatever, whatever your platform yeah. is, you have a duty and responsibility to it's at least... It's not a hypothetical question. Yeah. People were being shot at in a subway yesterday. Mm -hmm. So if you, yeah, you know, that 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 is the thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, whether it's the person on my Instagram who isn't saying anything or, or whether it's the, the the person who does a concert hypothetically and says yeah. nothing. And that that is an issue. I, I, I For me, it's an issue. It is for me as well. And I think going back to what we were talking about a little while ago with Bill Clinton and that, that 
video message and things like that. I think the importance of the awareness piece is huge. I mean, you know, we even have the slogans of keep your keep eyes on Iran and make sure that we continue the conversation and we talk about not being lost in the midst of, you know, other things that are happening, whether it's the World Cup or whatever else. And that's the way to do it is to continue to use our platforms as Iranians and to bring the awareness to non-Iranians so that they can use their platforms as well. So I think the most important thing right now is actually if you have a platform to use it. Hmm. Are you still happy you came today or are you? I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy. You, Honestly, this you? has been like, you know, a uh, heavy, heavy weight, a heavy burden on my heart. And I'm really, really glad for the opportunity to be able to, to talk about it. I really appreciate that you, not that you've said anything particularly uh, outlandish, but that you come here and, and, uh, um, you know, give your honest thoughts rather than uh, saying the things that um, all the you know the, the parroting the things that you know might be the most popular things to say, uh, including your nuanced position on the World Cup. <laughs> I will uh, <laughs> see you guys after the uh, Iran USA game and see who's celebrating and who isn't. I mean, I, I really don't know. I really don't know uh, how it's going to play out. It's going to be very, very. Very interesting, yes. but I, but I, but but I have to have faith that collectively, we're going to figure some mm -hmm. some way out of doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, of of, of uh, um, because I, it's like I said on the the Monday essay, you, you, no one wants to cheer a goal scorer who's you know a pro regime goal scorer right now who's cheering for that. I mean, it it it, it would feel kind of you know hard for yeah. me to cheer that and at the same time we've talked about how many times have we talked about the the one joyous occasion for mm -hmm. iranians in the last 43 yeah. years has been the, the possibility of the world cup and getting into a world cup and then scoring and i mean so it's it's such a clash of ideas yeah. that um a tangle that's uh typical but they burn the uh burn the banner of the iranian national football team in, in tehran yeah that was shocking. That's uh, that's not the diaspora deciding to go to the, the World no, Cup or yeah, not. That's, that's Iranians inside that's, Iran who yeah. are fucking angry, right? Uh, Reza Rouhani, thank you, brother. Nice to see you, you here. Thanks to have you in the uh, nice to have you in the studio. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, looking forward to to seeing you uh, make your music. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you very much. And, and thank you, Pega. Thank you, Shia. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get to our uh, guests uh, who are in Iran for this special episode of uh, Voices Inside Iran. Let's go to Shiraz first. Uh, this is an artist, uh, who, a young woman who is an artist and uh, who we actually had on the show once before. And um, she has been very active in the protests and she is courageous enough and uh, forward enough to want to use her real name. So this is Behgol in uh, Shiraz. Behgol, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Hi. Hi. How's your dog? My dog is fine, actually. I was begging him not to bark right now. <laughs> I remember it was so memorable the last time we spoke. I said, what's your goal in a free Iran? And you talked about walking your dog with uh, with all kinds of freedom. Um, Behkul, yeah, I'm still talking to my dog about it. I tell him. I'm going to take him everywhere. Ah, oh, well, he, you've, he's yeah. You've you've promised him the revolution. Now he's got. You've got to make it yeah. happen. He's waiting. 
Tell, tell me what what it's been like. Um, we've seen the footage of demonstrations and strikes across Iran in the last three day, days because of the anniversary of Aban. Uh, have you been involved in them in Shiraz? And what can what have you seen? What can you tell us? Uh, this is this is amazing. These whole days, I was waiting for Shiraz to be louder, to be bigger, and. You know, I know how my people are. I wanted them to be how they are, but they weren't these past days. But these three days, they were magnificent. They were all out, all my friends. Oh my God, you can't even imagine how I feel right now. I'm really proud to all I'm to all my friends, and they're all out there. It's it's the last days. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's. Finally, the last days. What do, you, is, what, what do you mean the last days? I mean, entire country is crowded. For example, imagine a little town in Fars that uh, in this 44 years, it hasn't been any protest for 44 years. Mm. No protest. But last week, it was crowded. You see how I mean? Everywhere, every little city, every little, I don't know, every little group, they are understanding this. They are coming with us. They are taking our hands and coming in the streets. Beko, what's, what's the mood like? What has it been like in Shiraz? I mean, obviously, the, you, you know, we're aware of this severe, brutal crackdown by the regime and these edicts about wanting to execute protesters and all of that kind of thing, uh, yet you guys are still going out there. What's the mood like? You know, they are doing this, and they think they are protecting themselves with doing this. But they are only making us angrier. They are only helping us, you know? Somehow they are helping us. We are being more. We are becoming more. The last first days, we haven't been this much. But they are still killing us. And this is helping us get our crowd bigger. They are killing themselves by doing everything they are doing. They are helping us, kind of. They are getting us angrier. They are getting us braver. You know, I the first days I was a little afraid, a little, little, tiny little afraid. But these days, I'm not afraid at all. And all my friends, they are not afraid at all. So even and when you see, even when you see a, t- a ten-year-old boy being murdered, or or um, the, the pictures from the the, ter- the Tehran subway of pe- people being shot at, these things don't scare you at this point. It scared me. It breaks my heart in tiny little pieces. But you know, now um, my body don't get upset my body get angry my mind it doesn't i can't cry for them i get angry for them Mm. i need to get revenge to get calm you know i can't get calm until i get revenge what have you faced what what have you faced in shiraz and uh, sorry go ahead 
this this is it i think this is how a lot of people feel they are not getting even their own family you see how his father was yeah. he was not crying he was shouting for his blood for his son's blood yeah and this is how all of us should be Beko, what have you noticed in the in the response of the regime in the streets of, of Shiraz? I mean, in terms of Basij, in terms of police, in terms of military, what were you facing the last two or three days? Um, I think they are they are dying. They are really tired. They are really tired. When you look at them, you can see it. But um, I don't know. Last time you told me. What do you call Lebas Chaksi? Plain clothes militia. Yep. They are so much more. They are even more than the police. Even the people who arrested us, there was these kind of people. They were not police. And this is totally Adam Robai. I don't know what we call this, but this is Adam Robai. This is actually Adam Robai. Hmm. And they, they are doing this and mm, you know I think they don't know what is going on exactly because their leaders they are all running away and they are still hitting us in the street I think they don't know what is going on exactly can I ask you a stupid question what might be a stupid question can you tell when somebody is a plain close militia Basij can you tell them you tell who they are when you're in a protest mm, yeah they wear clothes like us they were clothed like normal people, but they have a huge stomach, <laughs> huge stomach, and they have ugly faces. You know, you look at them and you understand immediately that these ugly faces are them, and they try to fit between us. Mm, sometimes they are... Sometimes they can do this, they can fit, and we can understand that is bad. But sometimes, a lot of times, we can recognize them, that they are not with us. They have guns, and they have every kind of power. They kill people, and they never they don't answer for that. But one day, they have to. Have you had friends of yours uh arrested detained uh injured um what 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 has what have you witnessed yes last week this exact time and day me and my friends were in south of iran and um we were arrested with these people mora these morality people polices who don't wear their forms uh -huh. i can't memorize the name plain it's clothes so think about clothes like the clothes you wear and and add the word plain like a, the normal plain clothes plain clothes okay, yeah plain clothes. about 12 13 people surrounded our car with their guns and they arrested my friend they took all of us and in the end of the night they arrested one of my friends only and they uh, searched the entire house. They took her laptop, our cell phones, and we don't know where she is. Oh my God! This whole don't know where she is, and 
we are being watched. All of us that we are not arrested, we, the rest of the people, we are being watched. And this is a little bit hard, but it shall pass. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty scary. You're, you're... Yeah, it was really scary. But you know what is more scary? I am scarily brave after this. I am dangerously brave after this happening. I don't know. It's, you really it's are. You really what? are. I mean, even even talking to us and using your real name and you, you you're very, um, you you know, you're you're facing it and you're you're very courageous. This is what I have to do right now. This is the least I can do right now, for my friends, my sisters, and brothers in jail. This is the least I can do to be their voice. Beko, what have you noticed in Shiraz in terms of uh, businesses that were closing or striking over the last few days? There's been a great hope that that would be the the next step to building this revolution. Uh, what what did you see? It was it was really a big step, and uh, I think ninety five percent of the stores were closed today and the last two days and mostly the supermarkets was open and uh, the stores that were open they were all serving the regime and they were somehow connected to the regime hmm. but 95 percent of the stores were closed and this was good this was really nice to see the city was empty just people, just the crowd and the cars and the polices. I'm assuming when you go out on the streets in Shiraz, you don't wear a hijab anymore. Of course I don't. I was I was not wearing a hijab for almost two or three years. I was fighting alone. But these days, of course I don't wear hijab. And no one says anything to you? Uh, sometimes they do. And I fight back because... I not that I'm not that kind of person who can keep my mouth shut. I fight back and I leave them alone with their empty mind. Can, can I ask? I mean, you're you're <laughs> you're remarkable because you, you you've been arrested. You're you're being watched. Uh, it's a desperate situation in some ways in Iran. But you sound yes, you sound quite upbeat, actually. I mean, people here in Toronto on the other side of the world are 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 you know, crying about the situation, but you, you sound very strong and, and positive. How, how do you stay that way? No, I can see the bright future. I can see the lights in my future. I can see the lights of my country's future. This is so close to the victory, so closer than the last time we talked. Last time I said it too, I said it is so close, but now I say it's so closer. And this is giving me hope. I'm having hope to see my friend's face again. I need to see her again. And for her freedom, I have to fight. I can't sit down. They are my sisters. They are my friends. They are my brothers. I have to fight. It's it's always um, enlightening and educational and um, 
energizing getting to talk to you. I, I, I really hope you stay safe and I really hope you, you um, continue to be able to uh, have the strength that you have. Thanks so much for doing this and hopefully we can talk again in a couple of weeks. Thank you for talking to me. It was an honor. Bye-bye. Bye. Good night. This is Rook, episode 216, The Uprising, Voices from Inside Iran, number six. I'm Gian Gomeshi. For all things Rook-related, you can go to our website, rookmedia.com, for all back episodes, including all the episodes from this series on The Uprising, rookmedia.com. Let's go to Tehran next, and a filmmaker and um, musician, and somebody actually who we've had on the show uh as part of the series as well a few weeks back uh his name is Som. that is his real name he also feels comfortable using his real name he is in tehran i think he's just come from a protest Som, are you there yeah yeah how are you uh, i'm okay i'm uh, how are you doing i'm good i'm good <laughs> all right i listen i mean we've been seeing the footage of demonstrations and fires and strikes across Iran in the last three days marking the anniversary of the Alban massacre. Uh, what have you experienced in the last day or two? Um, yeah, the, all three days that were like supposed to be um, very good in terms of people being in the streets were even better than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, people in almost every neighborhood in Tehran are out there, were out there. Um, I went to a couple of different neighborhoods, but yeah, everywhere you go, it was amazing. Yeah. Is the, has the tone and, um, uh, the composition somehow of these protests changed from what you would have seen two months ago when we, when we first started talking to you? Um, I think... I think yes, I'm not sure if it's like because of the time that has passed or because of like these three days that were like specially important um, or also like the neighborhoods that I went to like these three days like towards west of Tehran, I didn't used to go to these neighborhoods so maybe also that's a factor but um, there were much more like families uh there like wow it wasn't just young people uh and it helped i mean in one of the neighborhoods like in gisha that was one of the i think uh, key things that uh, made it work because there were like not just under 30 people there were also like 40 50 60 year old uh parents and you could tell that like there are families 
um, it was much easier to for people to like 50 people start um, chanting and uh, shouting and protesting and like as soon as uh, the guards were showing up they would just uh, start walking normally in the street and mm. it would was much easier for people to just uh, look like normal people because it was just of all ages not just a couple of young people I mean it's it is quite remarkable given the saber rattling the 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 threats of the regime this uh, um you know this this dictate that was passed in the majlis to recommend to the judiciary to execute people all of with the backdrop of all of that to see these yeah. demonstrations all over Iran um I think that had no effect whatsoever like nothing changed <laughs> In terms of people being scared of, because I think people were already people already knew what they are capable of, so uh, it wasn't a surprise in that sense. Yeah, it may have been a surprise in the sense that they're usually not that this blatant about yes, um, what yes. they're capable of doing. <laughs> but in terms of what they are capable of doing, people already know that people already have experienced um, Auburn uh, three years ago. Um, so I think, yeah, that changed nothing. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a point of great outrage for the rest of the world and for those of us outside of Iran, but you're, you're quite right. Yeah. If you're in Iran and you've been dealing with this for years and, and especially if you're, you've been protesting before, you already know all this stuff, right? You don't, you don't feel like it's yeah. more, you don't feel like it's more, I mean, a regime on its last legs lashing out in a more brutal way this time? Um, yeah, I think the number of, I think, um, I don't think it has become more brutal since they said that stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely these uh, protests, like these last 50, 60 days, um, their crackdown has been much more brutal than uh not than 98 like three years ago but every uh, protest before that i i remember um in 88 which is 2009 right yeah um yeah for those protests um the reason people could like gather was because the crackdowns were mostly just uh batons and then they introduced um paintballs like much later months later and as at least in Tehran, they never actually used uh, pellet guns um, back then. Yeah. But now it's just their most common thing to do. And they just they don't just use pellet guns on like protesters. Whenever like a street is, there are protests in a street, yeah, even yeah. if they see like two, three people that they yeah. don't like, they would just shoot pellet guns. Or, so, or, or live ammunition. But but some, I mean, they're, they're also there's no, pre, I was saying this a, a few minutes ago on the show, but there's there's no pretense anymore either. There's no, there's no postulate of pretense. In other words, they're not even pretending yeah. to have a reason. In the early days of, of even this uh, revolution, this movement, there would be this kind of attitude of, well, they threw rocks at us, so now we're shooting. Uh, I mean, yeah. th this incident yesterday in the subway, I mean, there's, there's absolutely nothing other than just sheer terrorizing brutality. We're going to walk in with guns and start shooting, right? Yeah, especially Basij. I mean, 
Um, you can see all degrees of violence in all of them, but in general, um, the guards, the ones that have actual like anti-protest uh, gears, wearing gears, um, they're usually less brutal and more rational in terms of when they attack than um, the besiege and the secret police. Um, mm. And there, what what has been changing at least in Tehran is more and more of uh, we see more and more of them, more and more of besiege, uh, as opposed to the guards with the gears and all that. And why do you think that and is? They, um, I think because they think for some reason that it's more okay if the besiege and the people who are not wearing like actual gear are very violent and they are the most violent. They're the ones that like, um, there's no limit to their violence. Right. They can just, you can see them like um, 10 of them just kicking and beating the shit out of like a 15 year old. Yeah. And it's like, there's no limit for them. And yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Is it fair to say some that the, uh, uh, I, I don't want to romanticize this because obviously it's been very difficult for you guys, but is it fair to say that the internet crackdown this time has not really worked because uh, there's been a lot more deft kind of um, ability of, of young Iranians to find VPNs or, or find ways around this to, to keep the information flowing? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's a combination of this because this time people were prepared and like at any moment all of us are prepared for like next moves like we all have like 10 vpns that we haven't even used yet and we're waiting for the old ones to stop working and then we'll we'll, we'll try the new one um but i think it's also that uh, this time they have not cracked it down like they did three years ago um, that much. Sometimes they do, but even the times that they do, it's not both cellular and the Wi-Fi providers. It's one of them usually. Um, as far as I know, it's because a lot of their own businesses run on the internet and um, they don't want to. Right. I mean, it's right. a lot of loss for them to do that. But yeah. It's a combination of both, I think. What's your perspective on businesses closing, being shuttered, going on strike? Uh, is is this uh, something significant in terms of a shift to the next level for the movement, or was this simply a commemoration of Aubon and it's back to business as usual after this? Um, I think I think it depends from business to business. Uh, there's a lot of businesses that. Uh, their strike might not even um, affect the government that much. I know a lot of people whose business, they're like doing their own thing. They're not that connected to uh, our economy per se. And they even didn't work these three days. And yeah, that was kind of a symbolic gesture. Uh, but I think uh, bigger industries like Zobalhan uh, in Isfahan, yeah, those ones are, I think, uh, the most important ones, and those are the ones that 
uh, might be permanent. A lot of them happened even before these three days. So um, I think those are the ones that government cares about. And I think that's um, the most important next step that needs to happen uh, for this to for this whole uprising to work. A, a final question before I let you go. Tell me about, f- from a personal perspective, how you um, keep going with the with the, I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear. Well, actually, I don't know in the interim since we last spoke to you if you've been arrested or, or had any um, issues yourself. But um, whether you have or not, you seem to be um, charging forward and using your real name and doing an interviews like this. Tell me from a personal perspective about um, your decision to keep going. Um, I think the biggest thing is that. There's really no turning back. The government has not left any um, possibility for turning back. And I think most people know that. Um, And yeah, I mean, days like this, like today, yesterday, the the day before, they actually um, do give us the fuels to keep going. Because like we see a lot of other people in the streets, um, like really making the guards and the anti-protesters um, completely helpless. Uh, they're not able to control like just one street, like they go up the street uh, to shut like one protest down and then just 50 meters or 100 meters uh, below a- another group of people start chanting and it's like uh, seeing this actually gives us fuel to keep going. The days that like um, these don't happen or like it happens, but like they are able to control the streets or they are able to, um, or they are like showing their brutality in like killing people. Those days, yeah, it's sad and it's uh, more difficult to keep going. But I think the last three days, at least in Tehran, it was really good. I hope you uh, take care of yourself. It's always uh, it's re- really good to talk to you. And um, thanks for making the time. Be safe, okay? Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. This dream I'm dreaming Won't you Cause this life I'm living Doesn't really feel like This strange dream I'm dreaming This is Rook episode 216 The Uprising the Voices from Inside Iran series. And let's stay in Tehran right now. And on the line, we've got a woman who has two master's degrees in engineering and management. She has been very active in the protest movement in Iran. For the purposes of protecting her identity, we have agreed to call her Sonia in this interview. Sonia, are you there? Uh, Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Thank you, in fact, (laughs) Mm. to calling me. 
Well, I, I mean, it's really helpful for us and important and um, and brave of you to, to, to speak out and uh, do, the, do what you're doing in Iran, but also to, to help us spread the word around the world in English. Uh, Sonia, obviously, we've been seeing the footage of demonstrations and strikes across Iran in the last three days, marking the anniversary of the Aban massacre. What can you tell us about what you have experienced in the last day or two? It was actually very interesting, or I can say that I didn't expect it uh, to be that much widespread. Uh, as we, because like normally in a lot in a lot of cities there are strikes, but in Tehran uh, or protests, um, and it has continued for all these. I think that it's about sixty days, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is that in Tehran, it was like becoming mostly these protests uh, have been done mostly in the university or near the universities, and we expected much more. But people are somehow uh, because of the, all these murders in Iran or these killings, they prefer to to do other type of protests like um, being active in media, in media or Instagram posts and la la la. But this this struck in the last uh, three or two days, and tomorrow is going to be next day, if I if I'm right. Yes, uh, when we go to the streets, like ninety percent of all the stores are closed, mm. and this is this actually send us a good message that we are all together, and those pe- those groups of people who are supporting this brutal regime are just a few percentage their percentage is so little and yeah it's it was a actually good um way or good tool to realize that how many percentage of us are together and are against this brutal oppressive regime this this might seem like a stupid question but is it clear when the stores are closed that they're closed because they're supporting the 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 strikes and the and the protests Yes, for sure, because there are like a few percentage of them that are open and they don't care because they are like supporter of the regime. Mm. But those who are closed, obviously, they are against them. Otherwise, because they have like sent them a lot of messages that if you close and if you strike, we'll like send you, uh, give you penalties or like some some other uh, consequences it will have. But they didn't care, and they just closed. The and these stores. these business closures that you were seeing, they were not just in the bazaar that we heard about, but but in other places. No, in no, Tehran. no. It's all actually all the streets. Amazing. Almost all the streets. Yes, and mostly they're just like I can't say that. Uh, like these uh, grocery stores are open, and even not that much that many of supermarkets, but grocery stores, and it's because. They have these vegetables that will, will be rotten and mm. people also need to eat somehow. But a lot of them accept just uh, cash money. They don't accept money or they say that just pay like after strike. So they can also uh, not let any transaction happen in their um, in their posts, in the bank system. That's a good sign also because the, the main... Um, the main goal was that not having any transaction in these three days. 
It's a, it's a huge sign because from the very beginning, you know, this has been something that academics and people who've studied revolutions have said, well, it's really only going to be picking up true momentum when we see strikes and when we see businesses and workers come on side. And so this is a, this is a big uh, event in terms of what's happened in the last two or three days, surely. you Exactly, because like people were protesting and, it, and they continued and we continued for like, uh 40 days somehow it was like a lot of protests but then if uh these strikes wouldn't join then people would uh, have lost their hope that not everyone is with them but now we can see that like a lot of people majority of the people are with us you talked about murders there's been a severe and brutal crackdown by the regime on all protests and protesters what what has the mood been like amongst those you've been demonstrating with in the last few days i mean is there fear is there trepidation is there more reservation than you would have had a month or two ago uh for some uh, which has which they have been arrested yeah but for those who haven't been arrested yet, no, they are like they are going strong and they they're not afraid of. Like I've been arrested, but I was fortunate that because it was the first three days of demonstration. Uh, I mean, protest. Um, they just like ca- cut me. They put uh, coughing on my hands, and they said that they would take me to the jail. And I was like, oh my god, jail! And my mother. And like, what's gonna happen? I've been, I, I, I'm gonna be in prison, I don't know for how long. And I'm like, uh, other nationality passport holder. So I was afraid that also I've been, I would be uh, forbidden to get out of it or they would take my passport and la la la. But fortunately, I don't know what happened be- between all these people that they've been uh, caught. Like someone just helped me there and he just checked everything in my, in my mobile. And even I had movies on my mobile. They said that, okay, uh, delete all these and la la la. And then after like one hour, they said that, okay, we'll let you go. And they didn't check my Instagram because I had a lot of like posts insulting the government and everyone. And even, uh, I don't know, I, I shouldn't maybe probably say that on, on the radio. But um, yeah, so if they were like checking my Instagram, for sure they would have, but they wouldn't have let me go away. But then suddenly they did just said that, okay, we just uh, write down everything, all the information they took from me, my ID number, my telephone, la la la. And after one hour, they let me go. Uh, but the, but th- the thing is that the day after I woke up in the morning and I saw a message on my WhatsApp which was a number sending from uh, from a number which was started from plus seven something and i thought that one of my friends from uh, like outside has no because i put my uh, like uh, bruises because i got hit beaten by uh, beaten by by the police by this right police and people this passage and uh, those people so i had bruises on my body and i put my uh, photos on 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 my instagram and so the, the day after, like in the morning, I woke up and I saw these messages from this uh, unknown number. And I thought that one of my friends from somewhere in the world has when I was like, thinking that which country is plus seven, something, la, la, la. And then I saw the message. It was like 
oh hi how are you did you reach home uh, safe and i was like who are you and then he said that oh you rem- you forgot who released you yesterday and i was like shocked and i just oh. blocked the number and i also took off my my number and i haven't used it for the mo- until now i'm using another uh mobile number because i'm afraid if i put my number and i get a message from this uh guy from the uh, this riot police i don't know what would be or what would be the reaction uh, or what would be the talk so i was afraid i didn't just i just like turned off my mobile my number let, let me just unpack a little bit of what, what you've just said because um, you, you're so strong and brave. You, you, you say these things matter-of-factly that, um, you know, you were arrested, you were beaten, you were injured, and, and uh, these are things that are in contravention to human rights laws, international human rights laws. Uh, um, they're, it's horrific to hear. So can you just tell me, I mean, were you, when you say the riot police beat you, was that at the protest, or was this when you were when you're taken to detention, when you're arrested? No, it, it was like when I was protesting with a group and then they were like uh, r- running after us and then they cut me. Mm. And it was at the beginning of the protest, so I had my mobile with me. I thought that I want to uh, make videos or films and I want to send it to others or put put my in my Instagram so everyone, uh, I mean, the, to spread or broadcast whatever yes. I have. Yes. And uh, they told me that, oh, it was a mistake. You shouldn't have taken your mobile with you, or at least the mobile I had these videos on. Um, but why are you not, uh, I mean, it's it's amazing. You you um, suggested a, a few minutes ago, you said uh, you have an international passport. I happen to know you spent some time in Germany. So you have a non-Iranian passport as well. So you you yes. would you would easily be able to go somewhere else in the world right now. Um, uh, but you choose to stay in Iran, you choose to stay in Tehran, and you choose to actually continue going out on the streets. Um, that's, it's, it's, it, yes, I, mean, I actually moved out before these protests. Like in uh, May, I moved out to start my, again, my life outside because I thought that, okay, Iran has uh, nothing for me anymore. I mean, I cannot continue like this, um, uh, like more because, and, um, and then um, I just moved back to take some of my stuff, and I had some some errands to also do in like two three weeks. And then the protests started, so I postponed my actually leaving, and I said that I want to stay, I want to do the protest, I want to help, and I want to be in the middle of this uh, probably most probably revolution. I hope that we can get results, and I didn't want to just be away. So is there anything that this regime can do in terms of their fear tactics that would stop you from demonstrating? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm like, I'm wait. I mean, I, I think that this regime will not stop killing people. Mm. They don't care. But that hasn't stopped you. It hasn't stopped you. I'm saying, is there anything? That, I mean, they've basically done everything they possibly could to to um, to 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 make someone like you, um, you know, afraid to get out on the streets, and yet you're still going out there, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm saying, yeah. is there anything that they could do? In other words, it, they don't seem to be very effective. If that's what their goal is to to stop people from demonstrating, it, it doesn't seem to be happening, does it? Um, no, 
Not that much, no. I mean, people are now very, very tired of all this, everything, of everything. Like me, uh, from maybe from uh, hijab and human rights and not, de- not uh, democracy existing, but even there are these Muslim people who are believing in um, not be, I can say that if you're Muslim, you're not believing in human rights because the basic of Islam is that women and men are not equal. So there is no human rights in this uh, religion. Uh, and even those people who are believing in Islam, uh, many of them or percentage of them, or I mean big percentage of them are now against the regime because of the economic situation or even political situation. Yes. I don't know what is the reason for everyone, but even I'm saying that we we might think that Muslims in Iran, those who are believing in Islam, uh, they support them. Yes. But I can say that not all of them. From uh, from Tehran to Tabriz to Sanandaj to, to, to Zahidan, there's different demographics and different people, and they're all out on the streets is... I think the yeah, the point you're making is a, is an important one. Yeah, um, everyone has a reason because this regime, uh, in none of the area, has done something positive or good. Everything has been just corrupted. Did you see? I'm I'm, I'm guessing on the basis of the fact that we found you and that you 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 sound like you're connected. You are, despite internet crackdowns, getting information and finding out what's happening across the country in Iran and around the world. So you would have seen those horrific videos yesterday of the of the subway uh, of the metro where people the people were getting shot at uh, from regime thugs um, in the subway. Yeah. Yes. Do you do you yes. know anything more about that? Uh, no, unfortunately, it's just about all. All I have, the, all this information I have from the videos. But uh, but anyway, metros nowadays are 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 very unsafe mm. because they are full of like uh, guardians, these riot people, and it's not safe at all. Yeah. What is your sense, if you, if you can tell us before I let you go, Sonia, what is your sense of, I mean, just in terms of your feeling, you're seeing these people, these police, these basiege, these military out on the streets. What is your feeling about the strength of this regime at this point and how long, um, I mean, we, it's, always, it's usually framed as how long can the protesters keep this going? But I would say, how long do you think the regime can keep cracking down before it wears itself out? Uh, fortunately, because of the support of international uh, societies, because of the support of the West, um, I mean, they're backing Iranian people against the regime. And because of all these efforts that they did in the last, at least the severe uh, sanctions that they had uh, during the last 10 years, um, because we have to repeat it again, they had this chance in uh, 1388, a green movement in Iran, mm-hmm. to support Iranian people to not let this regime continue longer, but they didn't. Yes. Uh, they had their own reason. Uh, we don't know what. But unfortunately, we didn't have that support. So 
although after like several months the protest just like slept and finished and the regime continued but because of the severe uh, sanctions that they put on Iran for the last uh, uh, several years uh, economically the regime is weakened and that's because we, I mean, Iran, everyone knows that they, they, it's a rich country. Um, there are lots of uh, oil money in the hand of the government. So they have all the uh, facilities to even hire people from around the countries uh, to just uh, oppress their people. And they, will, they have money to spend on, on those matters. But fortunately, because of the last several years of not being able to uh, sell their oil easily or that much. So they don't have that much money anymore. And that actually made them weaken. And um, that's our, I mean, that's the help of international, I mean, West. Can, can I ask you on that note, again, before I let you go, um, you, you know, there's, there's a debate that happens here uh, here being outside of Iran, uh, in in the Iranian global community, and even with some non-Iranians, around whether our support supporting you guys in Iran it makes a difference. I mean, I, I literally had this debate three or four nights ago with a guy who was saying, "Well, why are you doing all this? Do you, what what difference does it make? You know, you're sitting in Toronto saying these things." Um, but that's not what we've heard from people inside Iran who says who say it does make a difference. In terms of your perspective and those you, your sisters and brothers who are out on the the protests and people you talk to in, in Iran, does it does it make a, a difference to you when you hear about um, big demonstrations in Toronto or Berlin? When you see um, uh, programs like yeah, ours ours sure. talking about this? When you see celebrities saying these things? When you see uh, Iranians outside of Iran standing up for Iranians inside Iran? Does that actually make a difference to you guys inside? For sure. It's actually make a huge difference if we are not being heard on uh, um, through the world. And if like people or countries around the world are not supporting uh, Iranian people and they are not also helping us or weaken our government to not cooperate with them uh, economically, uh, it is actually a big help. I, I, I don't know how uh, they can do bigger help for us. Hmm. I mean, we we cannot we cannot expect them to come to Iran and fight for us. This is the maximum thing I think that they can do, and they are doing. Sonia, I thank you so much for taking the time. Um, stay strong, and and I hope you stay safe. Thank you very much. Thank you for dedicating this time to me to speak with you and uh, on the air and maybe some people can hear me as well. Khodafiz. <laughs> Khodafiz. See
This is a special edition of Rook, episode 216, Voices from Inside Iran, the sixth edition of this special Thursday Voices from Inside Iran series. I want to go to Kaushan now, and a woman who has been very active in the protest movement and was in hiding, avoiding authorities who were searching for her the last time we spoke. Uh, for the purposes of protecting her identity, we call her Homa. Homa, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Jian. Hi. It's good to talk to you again. First of all, I, I think the last time I talked to you, you were in Karaj or Tehran. You're you're now in Kashan? Yes, yes, I am in Kashan now. The last time I was in Tehran, but um, currently I am in Kashan. And I, I mean, I guess the obvious question, I know Kashan tends to be a, a more religious place with, with all the strikes and the activity that's been happening the last uh, three days uh, on the commemorative uh, anniversary of Aubon and uh, with people out in the streets. Have you seen that kind of activity in Kashan? No, in this past three days, no. But um, me and my friend that we are staying in, in the house, we just participated like... We didn't have any tra uh, bank transaction. We didn't buy anything. And um, yes, but just today that I was going out for the first time, because it's been two weeks that I'm here now, but uh, I didn't go out of the house. But today I went out and I thought, okay, should I wear my scarf? Because I'm new to the city. It's a religious city. But I thought that, okay, no, it's a short distance. So I wouldn't wear my scarf. And as I was walking by, um, a motorcycle came and grabbed some part of my body. And as I was shouting and cursing, the guy turned back and looked at me. And I realized at that time that it wasn't that kind of moves that the guy wanted just to assault and it was out of lust or something. Just looked at me and... The in a way that okay, this is what you get if you don't or don't want to wear hijab or you want to protest in some way. And um, but a good, not a thing, but but one of the things that struck me was one of my friend that was with me. She told the guy that was just um, standing by there. She told her that okay, it's part of this revolution that you have to act something. That when you see this kind of stuff, you shouldn't just it's not the cinema that you just see somebody assault somebody else and um, just stand there and see. And the guy, um, he was a teenager actually, but he said, I'm sorry, and realized that he was just uh, being, um, like practically seeing a point of view other than seeing some things in social media. He was just experiencing, okay, this is my role. This can be my role now. It's not that I post story or Instagram or something. When these kind of things happen, I should participate. I should help. I should make the streets safe for women and people. And uh, but just besides this unfortunate incident, I uh, so I wasn't came, out actually. He came and he sorry just to so he came and and um, on his motorcycle and and touched you. Um, and but his point was to warn you to be careful. Is that is that what you're saying? Not to be careful. No, no. He wanted to say that um, if you don't wear hijab, this is what you're gonna. Get. I see. Um, this right. is yeah, what you're gonna get. So don't play this game, city. 
yeah, I, like I, I guess it's needless to say. I'm, I'm imagining that it's 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 harder to go out on the streets without hijab or uh, or act out in Kashan than it would be in Tehran, right? Yes, yes, because right now, for example, in Tehran, um, even when you go to restaurants or cafes, there are a lot restaurants or cafes that waitress, waitresses or people who work there, they don't wear hijab and wow. at all, not like on their, their shoulder. And um, their manager, the owner of the restaurant, are supportive of it. But um, since I was here, I went to this cafe that a girl was without hijab. And my friend, and I was telling my friend that she had, she's very courageous and that's very amazing that in cafes in Kashan they don't wear and she says um, yes but for her most of the time the cafe is locked the police comes but um, as much as the owner wants to be supportive of her but um, it happened it, it happened more frequently than Tehran in Tehran um, I don't know in my view the places that I've been um, Right now, it's like like some some of the restaurants have uniforms for women like who work there, like with, with that mantle or without hijab. And um, but That's it's amazing. really a matter of how supportive, yeah, the owner is. Amazing how the ground has shifted. You're you're yeah. you're you yourself are still kind of in hiding. Is it because? I, I mean, the last time we spoke to you, a couple of your friends had been rounded up um, and that the, the authorities were going door to door trying to find you. Um, what happened? Are your friends still in detention or did they did they get out of j- jail or, or what's the latest you can tell me about what happened with you guys? Um, my friend got um, released after the day Evian um, prison was on fire. Um, due to that, they released um, some people, a lot of people. And fortunately, my friend was one of them, and we went to by the door of Evin Prison, and she got released. And after that, um, when two of them got released, I um, activated my phone again. No, I'm not in hiding. Actually, the reason that I'm in caution is that I had so many panic attacks in Tehran, so I thought that I should move away. Go somewhere calmer. What? Why were you having panic attacks in Tehran? Um, because my house is very close to the um, street that most of the revolutions happening, and there were so many cars, warning, shouting, and um, as well, I participated. But at uh, but I I realized okay, all the time I have panic attacks, and even if I'm in house, it's like I'm hearing the voices, and I'm I thought that okay. For one week or two, I just protect my mental health and yeah. and then again come back to Tehran. Well, um, obviously, the the last two or three days have been very active in in Tehran and in various places across Iran. What can you say about where you've seen the the protest movement go in the last month since uh, since we last? Uh, spoke. I mean, it, one wants to believe that it, um, it's growing. It certainly isn't dying off, I mean, based on what we're seeing. But we're also seeing a, a more brutal and, and murderous crackdown by the regime. What is your perspective? Um, I think it's growing very much so in the streets. And um, what I was tracking 
down this past month only was um, what it, um, the term that what is called now gray area, like the people who are opposed of the regime, but they don't participate in um, the streets. Right. And um, that it's mostly conclude people that are um, millennials, like they were active in Green Revolution, they were active in Ijdaiti, but they're not um, like in the streets protesting right now. And there were lots of um, critics, like why this um, how do is intellectual middle class are not participating? How why are they in home? And so I was actually I myself was just. Um, tracking that path um, this past And what is the answer to weeks. that? What's the answer to that? Why, are, why aren't millennials uh, participating in the same way we would expect, especially given that their younger sisters and brothers are out on the streets? From talking to my friends and from the things that I was thinking, one of them is that um, most of them just being honest, and actually I myself can see that, that um, they're afraid that um, they have um, they have been in the streets in history. They have been in the streets during the revolu- Green Revolution, the um, protest for airplane, um, bloody November, and all of them. But um, this time, um, I think they're afraid and. Due to I don't know, maybe I didn't get panic attacks in Green Revolution during during Green Revolution. <laughs> what I realized about my body in this age is that I can't easily let my um, get physical pain. Like, um, mm. and the other is that um, that I was thinking is that some people. Um, are concentrating on creating contents. Maybe not all the, not everything can um, happening in streets. Like some things can happening. So you you can share. You, you can participate in a revolution in other way. Like I think one of the difference between this revolution demonstrations um, comparing to the previous ones is um, the active um, role that social media media had. Um, that not only the working class, not only the middle class, not only the up, everybody is out. I think it's um, about most of them. It's, it's the impact of digital world of social media that right now it's having um, the endless countless endless um, cont- um, contents that right now it's yes. produced. Yes. In social media, in graphic, video, music, everything. And and those are, um, we can't say that they don't have any influence or impact. Those are the things that can affect on a teenager or in um, some very far village or um, or even in um, of have an effect life of a ambassador in Tehran, for example. Um, like someone who is in parliament or something. Um, and that's the role that I think is very important too. And some of the people are participating in that section. And when, when yeah. you say, when you say you didn't get panic attacks during the green movement or Aubon, uh, or flight 752 protests, but you do now, 
uh, and the fear factor for millennials. Is that to say, I mean, you know, the regime killed 1,500 people in, in, in Albon, but, but is it to say that the, these threats of everything from, you know, uh, jailing you to, to potentially executing protesters, they're having an effect one of the things can be um, social media, like for example, in no early November, we didn't have internet at all. And we were not this advanced to could um, download VPN and try to get, because right now they had shut down the internet, but everybody has um, figured it out right. to access right. to it. Um, I think the fact that you see what's happening thir um, 30 minutes ago, in bazaar or somewhere in london for example this um visual content um, um i think they have an impact and i might i can speak for myself that um the reason for panic attacks and the fear that i honestly should say is that um i don't know i, I think that i mentally and physically um sometimes I, I, I think that I can't handle it. I have to rest for a few days and then go back. And I cannot just go on um, every day and, and be around or sur be surrounded by the news and everything every day. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it was uh, horrendous and, and very worrying when the regime started doing the internet crackdowns again um, a couple of months ago. But but uh, it really does feel di different this time. I mean, part of the pretext, part of the reason why so many people were murdered in, in the Aubon protests is because the internet crackdown was effective enough that information couldn't be passed around and nor could people see what was happening on the streets. And so the regime sort of went nuts, you know, uh, just murdering a bunch of people uh, and, and quelling the protests that way. That really hasn't happened this time. I mean, even though we know there's been internet blockages and it's made things very difficult. Um, yeah, you guys seem a lot more industrious, and and in terms of um, the the protest movement, it it has not ebbed. It's the information, videos, uh, anecdotes, um, conversations have still been able to escape, uh, and and you know get across the country and and reach us as well. So it's fair to say you're much more plugged in, even though you're inside Iran where the crackdown is happening than you would have been three years ago, yes? Yes, and you're much more prepared because in early November, a few years ago, it was the first time that the government did something like this. And we all didn't know how we can deal with it or we didn't know what to do. In that time, I was in Boucher and um, I... Um, informed about what was happening in Shiraz from the people who were running away from Shiraz and they came to Bushir. And we were it was just um you get news by talking to people and but after months and months and months you realize that oh my god what has happened a few months ago. But this time or even after that, in during demonstrations for airplane, we all knew that okay if something is happening, you sh the first thing you should do, you should download all the VPNs in App Store. Um, so you would be prepared that if they do like this, you be equipped and wouldn't lose um, your contact with the world. You know, we frame so many of these conversations, Homa, as, as uh, what what are the what's the protest movement doing uh, against this uh, this regime? And there's a there's a 
an implication or there's an expectation that the majority of Iranians are in support of this revolution, um, which I do believe is the case. But if you can tell me, I mean, anecdotally, whether it's within the, the, the communications that you're having with other folks or whether it's in terms of what you're seeing with your own eyes in a place like Kashan, do you see much support for the regime? Among the people? Yes. No, 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 not at all, not at all. So in other words, other than the Basij or the literally the people beating up people and shooting at them, there's no evidence that anybody supports this regime in terms of what you're seeing, huh? No, but um, I think after 20 years of the revolution, it was so divided, like people who were supported, um, supporting the regime and people who were not, um, they all um, it they all shaped their own communities. Like I don't have anybody that supported and um, supports the government in family from my father's side, from my fa- mother's side, or my friends. Um, and I'm not saying that there are not people who are who are supporting the regime, but um, we don't know them. I I don't know any because I am not isolated, but um, all of us. Or one community that's um, yeah. Even in, in the university, they didn't talk to us. We didn't talk to them, and um, it was just at the first day of university. It was clear that because of the ideology that we have, um, it demands that if we are going to be friends or have, doing projects um, or not, group projects or not, it was always um, like this. Even if you were, if, if, child. You, if you were to guess. Uh, and I know I, I understand. We, I'm not going to hold you to, to account scientifically, but if you <laughs> if you were to guess, what percentage of the Iranian population do you think still supports this this regime? Um, I, as a human, I cannot believe that if someone sees the things that we are seeing in social media and the news, still believe in this regime. But I think that there are still people who um, their ben- their benefits are coming from this regime, so mm. they have to act like that. Right. But I don't know. But I cannot believe that someone, even in, especially in this past month, just walk by the street or use Instagram like we do, and still cannot decide what's good or what's bad. Yeah. Let me ask you about your own reaction to seeing, I'm sure you saw those videos, those those very, very scary videos from the um, Tehran subway uh, yesterday with uh, yes. people being yes. shot at from both inside the, the subway cars and, and on the platforms. What was the first thing you thought when you saw that? It might be very sentimental, but... Um, whenever I see this kind of stuff, I think that okay, how would they sleep at night? <laughs> I don't know if it's too childish or not, but the first thing to my mind is like this: that I cannot believe that someone can do something like this to another human being and <clears throat> can live normally, wake up next day having breakfast and say to his children and wife and go out and. Knowing that that the rest of the day he's going to be raped. 
Yeah, it's not. It's not. I don't find that childish at all. Uh, I, I, I actually. I mean, if it is, it's. It's. I. I have the same childish view because I asked that <laughs> same question about half an hour ago in our roundtable here, where, you know, I was saying maybe you guys who grew up in Iran, uh, as opposed to those of us who grew up outside of Iran, you know, have a better understanding of this. But I don't understand how these people. You know what? What is this guy thinking? Who goes there with a a gun and and I mean, with the regime's blessing or not, goes there and starts shooting at people in a in a in a subway? I mean, how do you how can that person live with themselves? Um, and uh, you know, a couple of people. I mean, Shia said, "Well, you know, they're brainwashed, and this is what they believe is right." And uh, but it, I I can't get my head around it. No, 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 me neither. I just thinking about it a lot and yesterday I was talking to one of my friends that he went to um, the hospital because Hossein Ronari was there and there were some demonstrations a few days ago in Tehran and um, we were talking to each other and he said let's talk on video call and when he said that I knew that okay something has happened to his face that he wanted to show me and but I wish that it wasn't the case but um, when we turned into video call, I saw that his face was full of stitches and bruise everywhere. And um, he was in the car, and they um, broke the glass. One glass just cut his one of his eyes. And then in, they knew that yes, he he lost one of his eyes, but um, grabbed him anyway out of the car and beat him for few hours and in in that moment I was just kept asking him that what what are you feeling okay now do you uh, but when we um, when we when I got off the phone, I was just thinking that how did he sleep and that night did he I mean them yeah um, those people like can you just put someone in total blood and then go to sleep how can you do that? And the next day you woke up and it's um, all normal. And what, and what was your friend's crime? Sorry, for the, the, why, why did he deserve that? I mean, for, <laughs> no, I mean, was this the way you were describing this? He's in a car, just one of those people who's trying to show support for Hossein Renaki. So outside of the hospital, is this where this happened? Yes. His crime was that he was worried about Hossein Renaki. That is he yeah. going to be okay or not? It's yeah. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Do you see um, increasing support from, we've talked about how the last two or three days there's been a lot of businesses closed um, and strikes and this was a necessary next step. Uh, are you seeing that kind of support for the revolution? In other words, institutions or businesses or or um, corporations or uh, so it, it, it moving beyond just some students in the streets. Um, I think that if Bazaar, the Grand Bazaar, go to the strike, a lot of things can happen. They cannot control it, and it would be the best. Um, but my cousin is living Bazaar, and this. Um, interesting funny thing that as long as their um, machine posts if i'm saying it right where you um when you put your credit card card in it to cash money uh -huh. in, whenever you go to the cash machines. as long as yeah. cash machines yeah as long as this is working in their stores they're not closing their stores and um 
but I think that if, uh, but right now I think that um, in this past three weeks or month, it's um, they are going to strike, and I think if that goes, um, that goes, um, how do you say, bigger, it would, be, it would be the best. It would be the best. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear about your your panic attacks. Are you going to return? <laughs> No, I, I really am. I mean, it's the, those are very, very difficult and, and scary. Are you going to return to Tehran soon? I am going to go to Tehran soon. But one of the things that I think is important to say, Gian, is that my panic attacks are part of them are, um, yes, of course, it's because of what's happening right now. But one of them, um, the most part of it, it's what's going to happen next. I mean, and by the next, I'm thinking about the best case scenario that if revolution and from what I'm seeing right now from intellectuals and the gray area that I'm talking about in Twitter and Instagram is that very, I'm very worried that we would do the same mistakes that our parents did during um, their um, revolution 40 years ago. And... These kind of things really occupy my mind and give um, make me stressful. That um, if we're going to, um, we we have to not do the mistakes again. We ha of course we have to ask. Of course we have to worry and we have to. Um, it's supposed to be important for us that who is going to come next and or what are we going to do if we're going to do um, the same thing that they did um, 40 years ago it's not going to work and from the tensions and things that are happening on twitter or i see among the um, intellectuals and people um, or, um, activists or working in politics and um, sociology it just I was just worried that um, okay, the next step is also very. We have to. It's not going to end soon. <laughs> it's a long yeah, way. Yeah, we have yeah. to just thinking through. Yeah, it's very. It is very alarming that uh, that there's a giant mountain to climb that we're that is being faced right now, and that's getting rid of the regime. But as you say. <laughs> Uh, after that, yeah, some people they then, don't like Matthew Alinejad, some people they don't like Hamad Ismailion, some people they don't like Pahlavis, and it's, it's even us. Um, what I see and uh, makes me stressful is that even us cannot um, can cannot be um, how do you say ha cannot be unified. Cannot um, yes. so okay, we do this now and then we're going to go to the next step. It's not the matter of. Um, right now, we shouldn't be fighting. Yeah. And, well, yeah. the hope is that the, that the lessons have been learned and that um, the desire for freedom and democracy will trump the idea of just um, of, of disunity and that people will come together and be able to figure out some self-determination for Iranians inside Iran to choose who's going to lead them. But... Um, but easier said than done. And this is, uh, we, we were just talking about in our roundtable about how we, you know, we knew, I mean, even two months ago, we were saying this is going to get much worse before it, than it, before it gets better in terms of the, the regime crackdown. But it's still shocking, even when you know that's going to happen. It's still shocking to see 
um, you know, 10 year old kids being killed or, or what yes, happened on yes. that subway yesterday or um, yes. some of the street scenes we're seeing. I mean, you just to actually see it is is horrific. There's no there's no way to I mean, describe this stuff in in nuanced ways. It is just absolutely ter- terrorizing, terrifying. So yes. uh, uh, there's a long way to go. I- I'm I'm glad to hear your voice. Thank you for for taking the time. Be safe in Kaushan, and and uh, uh, hopefully we'll get to catch up again in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was Homa, as we have been calling her, uh, in Kaushan. Thank you to her and all of the, uh, the people who joined us from inside Iran today. The young activists who are part of the protest movement there and shedding insight in what is happening in the, on the ground in Iran. It's, it's so invaluable to us, and we really appreciate them coming on the program. This is Full Time for Rook for today. For all things Rook-related, including um, our previous episodes in this Uprising series, uh, all of our previous programming before that, guests we've had on the show, videos, funnies, uh, outtakes, etc. You can go to our website, rookmedia.com. It's also where you can support us. We crowdsource, and if you want to become a patron, rookmedia.com. We really appreciate it. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together Sabi Roham, the very talented Anahita, Super Parisa, Smart Pega, Ray Mehdad, and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already on um, the platform you're listening on right now or any platform that is part of our our um, group of platforms. You can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Take care of yourselves. Stay strong. Peace out.